Okay, well, that was really good. And that prayer just set us up quite nicely uh, to what I'm about to, uh, to say to you. So we're going to look at Ephesians 5. Um, we've been doing, we're going through the book of Ephesians. We haven't done it for a while, so Ephesians 5, 1 to 20. And I've entitled it, What on Earth is Going On? And I've, I've did this and realised that actually it needed to be done in two parts. So I'll do part one this week and then depending on the weather next week, uh, I'll do part two or it'll be the following week. So I'm going to start by reading Ephesians 5, 1 to 20. Imitate God therefore in everything you do because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshipping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good, and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret, but their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them, for the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so the first part of this chapter 5 speaks for itself. It just tells us simply, quite simply, to imitate God in everything that we do. And I'm not going to expand on that because we read it. Um, and I think, actually, if we realise the truth of these words, it really, um, you know, if we really let them sink in, I wonder if that would change, just because I've read this a few times this week as I've been writing it, but I read it this morning and I went, wow, that is just incredible. You know, how would we, how would, how would we, lift it, we, how would we live differently if those words were to really penetrate into our heart and our soul? And so this is the word of the Lord to those of us who are part of the body of Christ. Those of us who belong to God, we all do this morning. Those of us who've heard of God's wonderful plan of salvation, who were, who were lost, once lost, and now we were found. For those, 
for us who were dead in our sins and are now alive, for those of us who have made Jesus the Lord of our life and have passed from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And Colossians 1, 11 to 14 says, We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so that you will have all the endurance and patience you need. That's really important as we, you know, talk today about what we're going to talk about. Endurance and patience that you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave all our sins. Now, I'm going to spend the majority of our time today looking at verses 10 to 14. And I have really, really struggled with this message because I love you all from my heart. You know, I'm so glad that we're, we've, we've come. And, and it's been a hard message, and it is a hard message, but I am going to share my heart with you this morning. And as I say, it's, it has cost me, and I don't bring it lightly. And those of you who have been on this little journey, uh, on, on a, a little of this journey with me, know how hard it's been for me, and, and know, know the struggles that I've had with what I'm about to share. So I'm going to just share that my thoughts on what's going on with the current situation with COVID and what's been going on for the last 16 months. And I'm doing it from a biblical and a prophetic perspective. Now, I'm not a COVID denier. I know that COVID exists. People die from it. Um, and what, I might, what I'm about to say, you may completely disagree with, and that's okay. You may completely disagree. It may scare some of you. Or, and I hope this is going to be the case, it might fire us all up to go out and preach the gospel next week when we, when we do our outreach and before it's too late. And I can honestly say I'm not sure how this will be received. And I've, as I said, I've, I've struggled with many months with this. But I, I've got to do what God wants me to do because... I've got to answer to God one day, and I, I just want to hear him say, as long as we all, as long, uh, along with all of you, well done, good and faithful servant. And if, if at all you take what I say as being arrogant, I really don't mean it that way. I am sharing my heart with you today. And it's been such a long journey and such a hard journey. And, you know, you know what I've been... Well, some of you know what I've been through. And so if I, if I sound arrogant today i really really don't mean to so please take it as you know as i really mean it because it's it's i woke up this morning and i've been more nervous today and in the lead up to this preach than i've ever been in my life with preaching so please hear my heart and i'm just going to tell you how you know what god's been speaking to me about you see, carrying the fire is not just about knowing what we hold inside. It's sometimes about carrying a message that is deeply unpopular. And we can't simply bury our heads in the sand. And sometimes this, this whole thing of coming out of our comfort zone is not, is not just about doing something different. It's about facing something 
that we don't want to face. The prophet Isaiah, he was called the weeping prophet. He stood alone, declaring God's messages of doom and destruction and judgment. And Jeremiah 20, verse 8 to 9 says, When I speak, when I speak the words burst out, violence and destruction, I shout. So these messages from the Lord have made me a household joke. But I, if I say I'll never mention the Lord or speak in his name, his word burns in my heart like a fire. It's like a fire in my bones. I am worn out trying to hold it in. I, I just can't do it. And Jeremiah was a man, just a man, that God chose to speak to the world around him in the situation that they were in. He was no one special, just as God has chosen prophets down through the ages to continue to proclaim his word. And I have felt much the same in these past few months about what I'm about to bring. God's word, you see, is not all flowery and lovely and cake and cups of tea. And whilst there is a place for that, and I'm not saying that that's wrong, uh, it's not all about that. A lot of biblical prophecy is not pleasant. But it is how the future will unfold. And Jan, as we've been doing on a, on a Tuesday night, she showed us how uh, prophecies um, about Jesus first coming and how they all played out. And some of it was amazing. But there's unfulfilled Bible prophecies. And they're not so pleasant. But we just have to talk about them. And so in Matthew 16, verses 1 to 3, it says, one day the Pharisees and Sadducees came to test Jesus, demanding that he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. He replied, you know, this, you know the saying, red sky at night means fair weather tomorrow. Red sky in the morning means foul weather all day. You know how to interpret the weather signs in the sky, but you don't know how to interpret the signs of the times. And now more than ever, we need to know the signs of the times, in order for us to realise where we are on the prophetic timeline. So here goes. Ephesians 5, 10 to 14. It says, Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret, but their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them, for the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. I'm going to read a prophecy to you. Now, I don't read many prophecies, um, but again, grappling with this whole subject, I felt like I was going mad. Um, and I cried out to the Lord, you know, Lord, is this really, is this really what's going on? Or am I just completely wonkers and have lost it and if I have then you know and then he led me to this prophecy and I'm going to read it to you because I think it'll set up nicely what I'm about to say so this is a prophecy that was given to Susie Molina um, first I heard the Lord say before the fields are ready for harvest they must first serve as battlefields I then saw the following vision before me was what looked like, like a typical US American farmland, maybe around the 1920s or 1930s. I stood at the edge of a farming field and spotted a nearby simple wooden farmhouse. The whole scene looked very idyllic and peaceful. I then saw the farmer who was busy working his field with a manual plough 
he was highly focused and entirely dedicated to what he was doing. Suddenly, I saw several rows of soldiers approaching the sea, dressed, equipped, and ready for war. Their captain directed them straight onto the field of the, of the farmer, who became most displeased, as a matter of fact, quite angry upon seeing them. He dropped his plough, walked straight up to the captain and said, Hey, this is a harvest field, my harvest field. What are you doing here? The captain gently but firmly responded, There is a battle coming. It is on your doorstep. We have been sent and assigned to fight the enemy and protect you and the land. The farmer then gazed all around and as he couldn't see any, army approach, any enemy army approaching, he shook his head and responded with an even greater deal of frustration, there is no battle. I'm working the land to prepare for the harvest. Go take your battle somewhere else. He was extremely annoyed that his work had been interrupted and didn't believe a word the captain had said. However, before the captain could even respond, different sounds were suddenly heard. Sounds of gunfire, shouting and cannon fire, and the sound grew louder very quickly. Very soon, the smell of smoke began to emerge. It was clear that the enemy forces the captain had mentioned were in fact real and that their arrival was imminent. The farmer's eyes widened, first staring in the direction of the approaching sound and the looming smell of war, and then back at the captain, whose eyes were filled with great urgency and compassion. And then the vision ended. And then she goes on to interpret this vision. She says, I sense that the Lord is seeking to alert the body of Christ to the full reality of the times we are living in. Many have been prophesying a time of coming harvest with many souls flooding into the kingdom. They have predicted many salvations, healings and spectacular signs and wonders. And whilst I sense these words are valid and right, something absolutely vital has largely been ignored. We are at the edge of, or already in, the biggest spiritual battle of this age, and many have been ignorant of it, or worse, have wanted to ignore it. Since COVID-19 was let loose on planet Earth, followed by all the many national restrictions and measures set in place, many of the people of God have been focused on one thing alone, to go back to normal as fast as possible, at whatever cost, and to get prepared for a wonderful harvest to come. Yes, we are going to have a mighty harvest. God has promised that in his word. And, though many, and through many prophetic voices over the past decades, as well as in recent years, but many have refused to accept the reality that a fierce spiritual battle will be preceding or even accompanying it. Many people, even many in the body of Christ, have largely assumed that COVID-19 was the enemy and that we should partner with those in government to fight this enemy with all the human weapons known and available so we can go back to normal and then get busy bringing the harvest in. However, the much-feared virus has just been a vehicle, one could say, a Trojan horse, to usher in a whole other enemy threat one which seeks to deceive, subdue, manipulate, control, and if need be, destroy all those who won't volunteer to be controlled by its clever devices and methods. There have been growing voices warning of the true war at hand, but they have been met with much ridicule, anger and frustration. Go away, your warning is misplaced. We're getting on top of the virus and now we're playing, preparing for the harvest. A word to those who have been warning watchmen. Take heart, do not be afraid, do not give in to frustration, you have received an assignment from heaven, and those who are now angry with you for the warnings you have voiced a voice will one day, sooner or much later, realise that the warning never came from a place of ill will or wrong assumptions, but from a true place of urgency and compassion. 
stemming from true revelation and insight revealed by the Spirit of God in order to save many lives from the clever deceptions and traps of the enemy set up to limit or even ruin the harvest. Your faithfulness will be worth it. Jesus is worth it. Keep warning and get ready to fight. And a word to those precious believers who have been looking to return to normal and get set for the wonderful harvest to come. Yes, there will be a harvest. However, it will take place on fields previously soaked with blood, sweat, tears and gunpowder with furrows sacrificially drawn by the boots of those who have volunteered in the day of battle in obedience to the summoning of the King of Kings. There will be no normal to go back to. Everything is about to change even more than it already has. If you still cannot see the real enemy and do not feel called to join the army, at least step aside and let those who have been called and volunteered step up to fight the good fight. They are not against you, they are for you and the Lord, fighting so you can live in order. So you can live and in order for the harvest to be as plentiful as promised. This final harvest will be fertilised with the blood of battle and the sweat and tears of faithful warriors of truth, the true sons and daughters of God. Wow, that's sobering stuff, isn't it? And so we're going to look at uh, a few Bible verses now to show, uh, you know, where we're sort of heading in this talk this morning. And as a church and a ministry, as we all know, we like to ground everything we preach and teach in the word of God, which is still alive and effective as much as it today, as much as it has been from the beginning of time. So the first Bible verse we're going to look at is Revelation 12, verse 9. So the great dragon was thrown down once and for all. He was the serpent, the ancient snake called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole earth. He was cast down into the earth and his angels along with him. And it's interesting, isn't it, that actually the last couple of weeks we have been talking about the enemy. We had Louis Giglio saying about don't let um, give the enemy a seat at your table. And then on Tuesday night we were talking about spiritual warfare and how important it is to know uh, you know, the, the, the uh, schemes of the enemy. Satan ha always has and always will deceive the whole earth. He is the father of lies. And Jesus in John 8, 44 describes him like this. And he's talking, remember, to the Pharisees and the religious leaders. You are the offspring of your father, the devil, and you serve your father very well, passionately carrying out his desires. He's been a murderer right from the start. He never stood with the truth, for he is full of nothing but lies. Lying is his native tongue. He is a master of deception and the father of lies. And I bet he's lied to you and he's lied to me at some point in our lives. Lying is his native tongue. It is who, who he is and it's what, it is what he does. Next verse, Revelation 13, 16 to 18. He required everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to bring... Sorry, to be given a mark on the right hand or the forehead, and no one could buy or sell anything without the mark, which was either the name of the beast or the number representing his name. Wisdom is needed here. Let the one with understanding solve the meaning of the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. So who is it that this verse is talking about? Well, it's the man of sin, the man of perdition, the Antichrist, who will lead a global government in the seven-year tribulation that occurs after the Church of Jesus Christ has been raptured or, or taken out of planet Earth. And let me be very, very clear here. I believe the Bible says that the Antichrist will not appear on Earth until the body of Christ, i.e. the true Church, 
has been raptured into heaven with Jesus. And that doesn't excuse us from um, knowing what's going on. In fact, knowing what's going on really should sort of, uh, you know, tell us that actually the rapture is quite near. And, um, you know, we should be more out there preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as with everything, with the word of God, um, we as Christians need to look a bit deeper and question things that are going on around us. And we need to look at them from a prophetic point of view. There's never been a time where it's been more urgent for the people of God to question all that is being presented to us as a country and indeed the whole earth. Remember, Satan deceives the whole earth. So, next one. COVID-19, the start of the end. To think that everything that is being presented to us in the media is true is at best naive and at worst it's downright scary. Even people who don't know the word of God are beginning to think that something else is behind all of this. A lot of it hasn't made sense. So let's look at what we're being told. And I'm just going to ask you to be really open-minded. I know we all have different um, ideas about what's going on. I'm not going to talk about the vaccine because I believe that everybody has a right uh, to, to, to do what they want. You know, people have asked me and I'm just not going to get into that at all today because I do believe people have their own right and they make their own choice whether they have it or not. So I'm not going to get into the, right, the, the vaccine. And, you know, you can, what, what I say to you today, you can take, you know, you can take it or you can leave it. But I just know that God wants me to present the other side of it. And like Jeremiah, I cannot get this out of my mind. I haven't been able to get it out of my mind and my heart for months. Because we, I, I know that something isn't right. And maybe you've thought, well, this, some of this doesn't make sense. And so I want you to be open-minded. And if your answer to everything that I'm about to say is about, you know, uh, well, it's to keep people safe and it's because of the pandemic. And yes, I absolutely agree that that is, that is part of it. That is absolutely part of it. All of the measures that have been put in place is, is part of, uh, you know, our protection. But I want to just bring things to you today just to make you think. Because personally, I think this is... Well, I won't get into that now. I'll just go through these bits one at a time. And then I'll tell you my conclusions. So, point number one. 16 months after the first lockdown, talk about COVID is still everywhere. You can't watch a news channel without, you know, it's all been there. It's, it's blended into TV programmes. Now, I, used to, I like to watch a programme called This Is Us. Uh, you know, an escapism, we all watch TV, we all watch different various things to, you know, to escape. And there was a new series of This Is Us on Netflix and I watched it and it was all about, you know, to be blended into that storyline. And I was like, oh, it's all on social media, it's everywhere. It's 16 months down the road, we're still uh, talking about COVID. It seems that there's hardly any other news at the moment but COVID. Someone wants to keep COVID high on the agenda for some reason. Secondly, deaths within 28 days of a positive COVID test. 
When has this ever been a way to measure deaths? Now, my friend Emma, who we prayed for for quite a while, her mom was poorly. Uh, she died of a... Uh, she'd had a stroke and it killed half of her brain and they kept her on a life support machine for about a month. I can't remember exactly the time. But when Emma had the death certificate, there was COVID on it. And so she phoned the hospital and said, did my mom ever, did my mom ever have COVID? Was she ever tested for it? And they said, well, no, but because the, the hospital was in lockdown for, for having COVID, it just goes down on everybody's death certificate. Really? Governments all over the world are desperate to get people vaccinated. And I've said before, I'm not, I'm not going to talk about the, the rights and wrongs of the vaccine. Everybody has to make their own decisions. Um, but it, it's interesting that how, you know, how they keep pushing the vaccine. And yes, I know some of you will be thinking, well, it's the only way out of the lockdown. Bear with me. Sky News last Monday, um, before the Euros finals last sun, uh, Sunday, told of vaccination centres outside of Wembley for the Euros final so that people could get vaccinated before they went in. Hang on a minute, weren't we told that the protection took three weeks to kick in? Sadiq Khan was offering free tickets to the Euro final if Londoners would get the jab. In the US, the same thing, incentives for taking the vaccine. At least half a dozen states in the US have introduced some sort of lottery with cash prizes for the newly vaccinated and rewards or privileges for the vaccinated too. Double jabbed on the BBC News app last week. Uh, there was a report that the double jabbed was going to, going to be treated differently to those that are unvaccinated, giving privileges. Really? Are we living in North Korea or China? Privileges for having this, the, uh, the jab? Fear-mongering. There's been lots and lots of scaremongering, hasn't there? I was watching Sky News having my breakfast a few months ago and a scientist by the name of Paul Hunter said quite blazingly and nastily, People are far more likely to die by Christmas if they haven't been vaccinated or they haven't had their second dose. I, I turned it back three times to see if I'd heard it right. And that was exactly what he said. I actually wrote to Sky uh, and, and made a complaint about just the scaremongering and the fearmongering. Because everybody, like I say, everybody has to make their own choice over their own body. Covid status, certification. Is this heading towards what we said, what we saw in Revelation 13? Nobody is going to have to be able to buy or sell without having the mark. I'm not saying this, this is the mark by any stretch. But um, I think it's kind of conditioning us, or not us because we won't be here, but it's conditioning for when the actual mark of the beast comes. Because you can't go abroad without COVID or a COVID vaccination. Wimbledon, I, I noticed they've got wristbands on saying COVID secure or something to do, you know, to show that they ha had, had had the vaccine. Um, and as I say, I understand why that is. I'm just putting another view. I, I, don't, I don't disagree with that. Don't get me wrong. As I say, I'm not a COVID denier and I understand the protection that the people are putting in place. But under the radar, I'm just going, I'm just 
presenting to you another scenario that says, hmm, is this really all that it's about? Trusting the science. How many times have we heard that? Now, I've been, I was, I've been reading this book and, and, and it was talking about testing the Shroud of Turin and I won't go into everything because of the, the, the time, but you know, they've done loads of tests on the Shroud of Turin. Uh, they've done carbon dating, um, you know, all these various tests. And um, my point is, and, it's, and I'm going to quote this, Robert Hedges, Professor Robert Hedges of Oxford University, on, the, on February the 16th, 1989, concluded, and this is talking about the, the, the testing of the Shroud of Turin. If a supernatural god existed, then scientific research was pointless. It was a scientist's duty to strike down religion and the supernatural at all costs. The supernatural was the born enemy of science. So what he's saying is, if, god, if this was when God raised Jesus from the dead then that's, that, you know, supernatural is the born enemy of science. Science was duty-bound to manipulate public disbelief. Science owed it to the human population to promote the brilliance of mankind. That's important. Nobody could argue with science. If science said something was, then it was. Now, hear me here. I'm not against science. I, I'm not saying science isn't, isn't good because we all know that, you know, the research for various diseases is absolutely, uh, you know, is brilliant. And we wouldn't, you know, like, for example, cancer, uh, you know, there's a lot of research in cancer, Alzheimer's disease. They've come up with uh, a cure or, or a, you know, a medication that, that stems. So I'm not against science. Hear me. I'm going, hear where I'm going with this. Um... And as I've said before, when we have all these uh, news briefings, we trust the science, we're led by the science. Um, and I have not heard one scientist, politician or pro professor say anything about praying or seeking God's help in defeating the virus. God has not been mentioned in the media at all uh, about you know, his, his seeking his help to defeat this virus. So how about trusting God to end it all? In the Second World War, Winston Churchill, on regular occasions, called on God for victory. He called a national day of prayer in the Second World War. And the church leaders called on Boris Johnson for a national day of prayer, but nothing ever came of it. Churches have been praying and we've, we've all, you know, uh, called our own national day of prayer, but the government didn't call a national day of prayer. Next one, changing the goalposts. BBC News report says vaccines alone won't stop the pandemic. I read a, a, a report on the, the news app uh, only last week about uh, pandemic, well, that was what the, the thing was, pandemics, uh, sorry, vi vaccines alone won't um, lead us out of this pan pandemic. And I thought, well, that's funny. Because Matt Hancock said they were. Next one, lockdown bringing financial chaos. Education affected. Kids are still self-isolating. Schools are still being closed. And the effect on children's education is, well, it's yet to be, you know, uh, found out. But the financial chaos, businesses are closing. Uh, businesses have gone out of out of business, uh, you know, 
there's this whole um, furlough scheme. Um, and on the face of it, the government look as if they have done their very best. And, you know, maybe they have. But has it been a controlled demolition of society? Why would that, why would, why would that be? Why would the governments of the world want to con uh, do a controlled demolition of society? This is, these aren't my words. Is it, do you think, that people will increasingly be desperate for a way out or for someone to lead them out? Paul Henry Spack was a former Belgian Prime Minister and one of the principal architects of what has now become the European Union. And he said in one of his speeches, and this was in the 70s, we do not want another committee. We have too many already. What we want is a man of suf sufficient stature to hold the allegiance of all people and to lift us out of the economic morass into which we are sinking. Send us such a man, and be he God or devil, we will receive him. Well, hang on. According to the Bible, he's coming, and he's called the Antichrist. There's been a few lies told. Unvaccinated people shouldn't go near vaccinated people. Why? That makes no sense. Surely vaccinated people are protected. And the other, another lie, until everyone is vaccinated, no one is safe. And there's this whole thing about these new variants. And I don't know if you've noticed, but every time we're about to lift restrictions, April the 12th, May the 17th, and, and this current one, uh, new variants have, have, have come up. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not denying that, but I'm just saying, um, every time we're about to lift restrictions, the, the, there's been a more transmissible, uh, you know, variant. Is it more, is it more scaremongering? Because actually how to control a population is to put them in fear, because then they'll do anything. No jab, no job. We've all seen that, haven't we? Pe businesses are now saying, some of them, no jab, no job. Again, is it heading towards Revelation 13? You can't buy or sell until you've got the mark. Like I say, I don't think the uh, vaccine is the mark, but I think it's putting people in that mind frame of. Um, global leaders are crying out for a one world government, yet yeah, it's already being talked about, to deal with a global threat. The Antichrist will head up a one world government. And maybe this is the start. And if that's the case, like I said earlier, the rapture is closer than any of us think. The Guardian sometime last year ran the headline, Gordon Brown calls for a global government to tackle coronavirus. Next one, COVID-19 has a 99% survival rate. Why aren't the government mentioning that? When they've had the, the daily briefs, uh, they've mentioned the, the amount of, of cases, the deaths, the hospitalisations, but they haven't mentioned how many people are actually surviving it. And I don't know why. I'll just leave that, you know. And if it, if the, if it has got a 99% survival rate, why do we need a, max, a vaccine? Um, censoring of doctors, scientists and researchers on YouTube and other social media platforms Anyone who is speaking against the government's agenda is silenced or censored. The mainstream media is very, very powerful. And if you only listen to the mainstream media, then, you know, I think probably we all need to do a bit more research than, than what's been presented to us. 
But silencing and centering people and taking things down that don't agree with, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's misinformation. Why has that happened so openly? Conspiracy theorists have been openly condemned. Misinformation branded conspiracy. You see, the thing is with conspiracy theories, they can never be proved or unproved. Who knows whether Diana was killed by the government or MI5 or whatever. We'll never know, will we? 9-11. There's a conspiracy theory that goes out that, you know, the government were involved in that. Now, we'll never know because they'll never, they'll never uh, you know, put the truth out. Um, are conspiracy theories, not all of them, because I know some of them are completely wacky, but you have to ask yourself, are conspiracy theories maybe a way the government bury the truth? Now, you know, you may, after, after I've done this, give me a tin hat. That's up to you. But we have a spiritual weapon, and it's called discernment. And I'm not saying... You know, that my discernment is better than your discernment, not at all. I'm asking you to use your discernment when you watch the news. And if something doesn't seem right, it probably isn't. Because God gives us this whole thing in our spirit uh, that we've all, we've all um, experienced about discernment. The COVID-19 vaccine is still in trials until 2023, so nobody really knows the long-term effects of it. And anyone who says they do are lying. Now, I don't want to get into, you know, as I say, the, the uh, COVID-19 vaccine and all the in, in, ins and outs of that. So we'll just move on. Masks. And then I'm really, I'm nearly finished with these. In the comments on the Facebook post of the prophecy that I read earlier, there was a comment made by uh, a guy called Richard Barker. And it said... No. Oh. In, the middle of, pardon me, in the middle of the night last July, a prompt from the Lord said in effect, masks are only one letter away from Mark. And I immediately knew that they are a trial run for, public, for the public obedience to imposing the mark of the beast. And sure enough, businesses that stayed open refused to take payment in cash and people had to wave their hand, i.e. card or phone therein, to pay for coffee, etc. And the last one, which I think is the biggest sign that we're heading towards Revelation 13. This week on Monday, Emmanuel Macron announced new anti-Covid measures. And this is a quote from news channel France 24. While the extension of France's health pass and other new anti-Covid measures announced by President Emmanuel Macron on Monday night are yet to be hammered out in detail, What's certain is that a full-throttled return to normal life of frequenting cafe terraces, restaurants, cinemas, theatres and other cultural, culture and leisure activities will now hinge on having a pass sanitaire or a health, health pass. From the moment Macron announced new anti-Covid measures Monday evening that include an extension to the health pass requiring holders to be fully vaccinated or have proof of a negative Covid test taken within 48 hours, the French have been gripped by panic. And, you know, like I say, there's so much more that we can think about. And like I say, I'm not a COVID denier, and I understand all of the, you know, the protection measures that are absolutely, you know, we, we all need to do, we all need to take, we all need to, you know, wear our masks inside, 
take, you know, and social distancing. I understand that that is purely for, you know, for safety, and I understand protection. But what I'm asking you to do is look at what what else might be going on. Let's look beyond what is being presented to possible deception. See, I personally think, like I've said, it's about social conditioning and testing compliance. It's all heading towards the revealing of the Antichrist. Remember, Satan deceives the whole world, always has and always will. And as the time draws nearer for his destruction, things are only going to get worse. And I don't know about you, but I, you know, I, I have felt something change. We are no longer in normal times. And I'm not sure that it will go back to normal times. It'll be interesting to see how it all pans out. 2, two Timothy 3, 1 to 4 says, but you need to be, in, be aware that in the final days, the culture of society will become extremely fierce. People will be self-centered lover, self lovers of themselves and obsessed with money. They will boast of great things as they strut around in their arrogant pride and mock all that is right. They will ignore their own families. They will be ungrateful and ungodly. They will become addicted to hateful and malicious slander, slaves to their desires. They will be uh, ferocious, belligerent haters of what is good and right. With brutal treachery, they will act without restraint, bigoted and wrapped in clouds of their conceit. They will find their delight in the pleasures of this world more than the pleasures of the loving God. Interestingly, about when it says obsessed with money, now things that I've been looking at and listening to, people have said, follow the money. Because the pharmaceutical companies um, are, you know, and it's interesting that, you know, we heard about politicians having stakes in uh, various pharmaceutical companies. Now you might say to me, you know, you can refute everything and give me a reason why, and that's, that's fine. But also, when you learn that the, um, the pharmaceutical companies have been made, made immune from um, being sued for vaccine injury, I mean, you know, that might be the thing that they've always done, but, you know, is that dodgy? I don't know. It sounds like it to me. 1 John 2, 18. And I'll finish on this. Dear, um, dear children, the last hour is here. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming and already many such Antichrists have appeared. For this we know, from this we know that the last hour has come. And as I say, I, I think that really this is the start of the revealing of the Antichrist. And if that is the case, then that means that the rapture of the church is near. And there isn't much point to get Jesus to people and people to Jesus. Now, this is only part one. And, uh, you know, next time I'm going I'm to go into um, how technology will be used to fulfil the prophecies in Revelation. There's some really, really interesting stuff that, you know, um, that we... Chris and I have been listening to that, that when you read you know things in Revelation like people will bow down and worship the beast how will that happen I won't start that now I'll be I'll be going into that you know in part two but you know the Bible says we should pray for our government in whatever situation that we find ourselves and I absolutely agree that we should still be praying for the governments of the world but I think it's, you know, if we're serious Christians, which we all are here, 
I don't think that we can any longer ignore the fact of the prophecies that are still unfulfilled in Revelation, in Daniel, and you know, and what Jesus says in, in Matthew 24, and you know, and all of that. Because we are in a spiritual battle. The prophecy that I read is in, says we're in a spiritual battle. I am going to read a second prophecy next time um, that, that will explain that even more. But for now, I hope you've, you know, you listen to what I said. And like I say, if you disagree with it, that's fine. You know, uh, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, you know, telling you what I, I think the Lord has been saying to me. You know, um, and I, I know it's been a bit heavy and a bit intense. And, and like I say, you can, you can come back to me and explain, you know, whatever you, you know, there could be questions. But I have just felt this on my heart so so strongly the last few months you know i haven't just listened to what the present the the media has presented I've, I've gone beyond i've done my own research both for the vaccine and against the vaccine but i guess i i'm not going to get into that but it's stepping back and looking at what the whole world has become because this has affected the whole world and i just want to you know present that to you and in part two as i say We'll be, uh, we'll be looking even more into how the biblical prophecies of the second coming of Jesus are going to be fulfilled. So thank you for listening. Um, as I say, I know it's been hard, but uh, we'll ask some questions, have some discussions, no doubt. So thank you.